A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everybody and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Been a few weeks, um, but you know the nature of the beast and all that. Um, ho ho ho! Merry Christmas! Much love to one and all, unless you're a nonce or something. I don't know. Whatever. Who knows? Um, it's a very special guest today. I'm going to call him a guest actually because you know he just rocks up when he likes. You know, does whatever he wants. Shows up. You know, here and there. It's not like he's busy or anything. Raj Baines, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Thank you very much. I'm glad to see the, the sort of levels of presenting on this show haven't changed. <laughs> Consumer professional as ever, mate. You know. Yeah, no, it's nice to nice to be chatting. How how the how the fuck are you? Yeah, I'm fine, mate. Just yeah, busy, busy. Apologies for for not uh, having more time to chat to you during the season, but I'm pleased to be doing so now. How about you, Sen? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. I mean, I, you know, I can't help but see your Instagram account, seeing you up and down the country every other week. You uh you a bit you a bit knackered, mate? Uh a little bit, yeah, but I've got a bit of a, a couple of days now just to rest and recuperate before boxing day and everything. But you don't you don't go working football for uh, a quiet life, do you? But it's it's brilliant. I am very much enjoying it. A nice win at Bristol away on the weekend, but um yeah, that's the the wrong team to be talking about on this occasion. Well, how I was going to say, how are they taking to you? Because you know, I, I quite like getting the odd WhatsApp when you're like, I'm watching the game in the office and shouting at the TV and stuff. How how are they taking to your sort of your duality of uh, working for Huddersfield and being a Spurs fan? Uh, it's not a it's very thin duality to be honest because. Uh, they they know me to be very sort of level headed and uh, rational when it comes to my football opinions because largely they're professional based and they're about other teams in the championship and about our own team that sort of I work for and everything and and they sort of they you know really value that and it's a, a hopefully a strength of mine and then they hear me talk about Tottenham and realise that you know he's fucking frothing from the mouth and <laughs> sort of he's, he's become a you know a fan again and my boss actually yesterday just like. Um, copied a URL of one of my tweets during the game and texted me and went, you're such a fan when it comes to Tottenham, aren't you? And it's sort of, I think it takes them by surprise, just sort of the passion and stuff I have for your own club, the sort of the irrational way you support them and all that emotion that you have is is completely different. And so, um, yeah, it's not it's not the the biggest thing in the world. Like FA Cup draw and everything, I was like Tottenham away, Tottenham away. Every time I've, I've everything's happened, all I want is Tottenham away and, 
And they sort of, they're kind of like, you know when you go, you'll be in like a Huddersfield Town Club suit and everything. I went, yeah, but you'll know I fucking want to win. Like, it's, it's one of them. It's, it's, Do you reckon you'd be able to like sneak a Spurs scarf on underneath, like hide it under the collar or something like that? <laughs> I don't think I'd go that far because I'd have to, I'd still have to, you know, do my job and everything, which would probably be hard on that sort of occasion. But I just, I kind of want to just have that experience of doing it because it'd be, it'd be nice. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's no comparison between the two. It's sort of I obviously want want my own club to to do as best as they can, but you, when you work for a team and everything, you want them to to be flying as well. And, and luckily, it's been an all right season on both fronts so far. Not the not the greatest for Spurs, but it's it's, it's getting turning better. around. Yeah, it's getting there. It's getting better. I, I wonder what's caused that, mate. Because uh, we haven't spoken at all really this season. So I mean, let's, let's not do... on this. We we do talk to each yeah, other. Otherwise, it's not like I've forgotten about you in in life or in general. <laughs> well, let's do a whistle stop tour of the season, then, mate. I mean, Nuno Espirito Santo. Do you, I mean you can't hold it against him, can you? He was fucking useless. Let's get that out. But yeah, well, I, I think I did one of the rare tweets I did at the time was just sort of like, look, I, I hope he gets sacked sooner rather than later, so that he can still go while we think he's just like a an all right bloke who's done badly done to rather than it getting very like sour and turning and becoming a very bitter sort of uh, protracted sort of a thing because it was it was very quickly heading that way and I think a few days after that tweet he got binned I'm not saying I have any say in that but I think Spurs very much saw the way it was going and you know everything that's come out by the people that report on the club and everything since just make it sound as if you know that the players and the staff at the club felt very much the same way we did. Um, he was on a hiding to nothing, to be absolutely clear. And you know what, eighth choice, and he was just there until he couldn't have been more of a placeholder with the amount of you know years he got on his contract and everything. It was literally just there as like we need a body in to manage this team for now. You might be able to do something very short term until we find somebody sexier, and they did. They did just that and got in the man that they probably wanted in in the first place in the summer. Um, one of many who probably binned them off. And um, yeah, it, it actually makes more sense that if if Conte was the long term goal that they didn't push harder for a Potter or a Ten Hag or anything like that. Because had they, then there was no way they could have binned him off as quickly as they did with with Nuno um, and gone for Conte. Like they they went for a basement option to maximise their potential of getting the, you know, one of the best managers in the world at present. So, one of them, it's an odd one. I remember when we spoke in the summer, I can't remember if it was recorded or privately, to be frank, but um, I don't think either of us were particularly thrilled with the no, idea no, of Conte. It was sort of, at that time, it was, let's rebuild properly, let's try and do a, you know, as close to a Pochettino-style tenure as we can, um, let's have somebody who can build, has a bit of time. But seeing the way the lads played, just the general lethargy around the place, it was sort of, by the time Conte did come in, it was like, okay, this this place does need a rocket up it and it probably does need its levels checking. And, I, you I know, think, I think what probably has changed though in terms of like the landscape now um, is that I reckon if we had gotten Conte in summer, there would have still been that same old kind of idea of let's try our best to get a tune out of these players. And we're only going to see a few months of Conte failing to see that a lot of the squad probably aren't in a place we do need reinforcements. Whereas I think that point has been more 
acutely made now, should we say, after the tenure of Nuno Espirito Santo. And Conte is getting a tune out of some of these players now. I mean, we'll go on to the game that happened yesterday um, in a bit, but you know, we're already starting to see results in players like Ryan Sessegnon. So it does show you what a great coach can bring, but I, I do believe pretty firmly that in January we probably are going to be spending money, which I'm not sure we would have done immediately in summer. And you don't want to get him annoyed. I mean, my only fear, because I, I, I pretty much agree with everything you're saying there, my fear, and I don't, I don't want to shit on this and I don't want to be kind of like the harbinger of doom for anybody that is enjoying the Conte stuff, I still can't escape from the nagging feeling that he might Ancelotti us. As in what Ancelotti did with Everton. Yeah. The second that job comes along, he's gone, you know? Um, and that's why I, perhaps I can't... Because I'm seeing a lot of the kind of... The memes and all that sort of stuff. The memes, look at me, fucking da. <laughs> I'm seeing the memes on the internet. Um, but you know what I mean? All the kind of stuff about people saying... Expressing their love for Conte. Um, and that's great, you know. People, I'm not policing people's kind of emotions on that front. All I'm saying is I'm I, I'm kind of not quite in that place. I'm appreciating everything he's doing for us, and it's obviously brilliant. But I still have that nagging kind of fear that he's just going to kind of do one. Yeah, you know, it's an eighteen-month contract. PSG, you know, ironically, we won't talk about Pochettino yet, but he might not kind of be there for much longer. United, I mean. Is Renyuk going to stay, or is he going to bring somebody in next year? You don't know. I I don't know. Is you know, to be fair, Madrid are doing all right now, but um, so there's probably not an opportunity from there. But I, I don't know. Is this anything that kind of gets at you at all? No, I completely understand it. I think it comes with territory of getting somebody who who'd clearly well wanted and and well respected in the game. Um, hopefully, the the relationship he has with with Paratici is, is something that that keeps him there if it's something that's going well. Um, he's obviously being very well paid for what he's doing. Um, and if he does get the chance to invest in everything and, and the club keep him happy, then there, there should be no reason for him to go because he's, he's not an old man, so he'll have time to go to other clubs if he needs to go to other clubs or wants to in the future. Like I'm sure he'll, he wants to manage Real Madrid at some point. I'm not sure he'd... And we'll be too enamoured with the the PSG thing. Um, he's done the big clubs in <laughs> in Italy already, and, and they're not going anywhere. They're changing managers four times a season, regardless. So, you know, Milan, Juve, and all that will still be there for him to either go back to or take over or anything if he wants to in the future. So, yeah, I can't see Man United going for him at the minute because I think they're a bit scarred from the Mourinho thing for similar reasons why we didn't want him in the summer. To be honest, I think they're still that way of thinking. Um, I think they're they're worryingly looking closer, like they'd, they'd go for Pochettino or more of a, a, a Ten Hag as well. So um, I, I completely get where you're coming from, but it's because I'm not as emotionally as attached to him and sort of sort of as as wedded to this project as I could be. It, it don't feel like the biggest heartbreak in the world if he was to. Go or anything like that. Like but it's I mean, kind that, of. That's it feels more like my it's, point is that I'm not. It's not that I'd be heartbroken. He's gone. It's more that's sort of what's stopping me getting kind of wedded to this. Yeah, but there. it's uh, if he if he's here for a you know a year eighteen months and in that time he drags us up to a level or gets the standard of the squad back up and you know actually does something that makes people realize what size of a club they're at and the potential of the place and everything. 
and then we can get in somebody who might be there longer term on the back of that. That's not the end of the world. He's not a manager who who particularly stays places for long term anyway, and and he's probably not as effective long term given his methods and everything. He's, I imagine, he gets very wearing very quickly with the intensity of the man. So it's probably a. a even if it went well, it wouldn't go longer than three years at the very most. So for it to be 18 months, two years, and then we, we actually were able to hire from a position of strength, that would be okay. It's not like the alternative where we were having to recruit from desperation where eight people are turning us down because they're going, I don't want to go over there. It looks like an absolute shit show. Like We can do it properly, which would be nice. Um so yeah, we'll see. I I completely get where you're coming from, but it's sort of it's more of a reality than a worry, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's fair points. Fair points. Kind of just where where you're at now when you're at kind of this sort of top table with a manager like that, who let's be honest is up there with Klopp and Pep as probably you know one of the best managers in the world, really. At, yeah. at this point in time. Um. So I mean, on that note, um, it it. It is quite interesting to see the effect, and it shouldn't really be a surprise, but it still is. You know, the actual reality of seeing the effect that a top coach can have on a squad that you've written off countless times that you've seen over the past couple of years. You've seen under Mourinho, you've seen under Nuno. So many of these players putting performances in that are, let's be honest, quite frankly, a disgrace at times. Um, and now seeing kind of as yesterday going up against a Liverpool who I don't really buy in much into the kind of oh they were missing Van Dijk and Fabinho we were missing players our whole first kind of midfield was changed around and we had Sessegnon playing left wing left back whatever you want to call it um, instead of Sergio Reguilón and the team hadn't played for what 10-11 days or so so you know this kind of this this idea that we somehow had an advantage on that I don't really buy into. So to me it was it was very interesting to almost have a throwback to now to three four years ago when we were actually going toe to toe with Liverpool again that we were actually giving them a proper game. Um, I mean, what what are your sort of immediate kind of thoughts on the game? I mean, let, let's start with the the Kane red card. Was it a red card for you? Oh, it was all day long, yeah. It was, it was an awful challenge. He just he wasn't in control of his body. He properly caught him, but he got away with it. So it's, it's one of them. Much like Andy Robertson did the other year on Jaffet Tanganga. Yeah, exactly. But it's one of them where like that's the purpose of VAR is when the ref's clearly not seeing it properly and giving a yellow light. He's supposed to watch that again and go, oh, shit, that was that were actually quite bad. Like, here's your red, you deserve that sort of a thing. He's clearly like... It's clearly G'd up from having just scored and all that sort of stuff, and yeah, I think he did give him a yellow. I think isn't that why VAR couldn't overrule it or so? I don't fucking know. No, no, no. VAR is perfectly fine to VAR can get involved if it thinks it's a red. Like it, you can check the severity of the you know tackle and everything. One of the things it's there for is red cards. Like if somebody's missed something. Um, so from my understanding of it, if he wants to take the yellow away and give him, it was same as what happened to Andy Robertson. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is that, yeah, I know I get the the makeup of the game is very different if Kane goes off at that point, but the decisions evened out over the course of the of the match. I mean, their second their second goal to me was a fucking farce. You know, not only was there a, whether you think it's soft or not. A stonewall penalty on Delhi. Not only has he been pushed in the back, he's also been tripped, like clipped on the heels. 
Um, yeah, the, the officiating throughout the game was was appalling. It was abysmal, and it was a Hamilton seller as well. But yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just. I just think this this kind of idea that there's some kind of like there's been some kind of bias it shouldn't cloud what to me was a fantastic performance from Tottenham yesterday and the first time I feel like I can say that in quite some time it was we should have won the match um there's there's no doubt in my mind like poor officiating aside we should have won that football game there was Harry's still not completely where he should be um there was one or two where he, he he should have scored and there's no reason for him not to have done. If it was Carlos Vinicius or, you know, Vincent Yancis or Roberto Soldado in those positions and they'd missed the chance they did miss, that would be spitting feathers and quite rightly so. Like, it, they would, he should have scored a few more times. Delhi should have scored as well. I know the Allison save was fantastic and Delhi was largely brilliant as well and it was nice to see a performance like that from him again, but should be burying that. They shouldn't be giving... Allison a sniffer saving it in that position. Um, so yeah, while I am, you know, very glad to see us competitive again and, and not just you know roll over by a decent team, we should have won. And, and I, I want to kind of temper my enthusiasm with the reality of that because I think it's important that we still have some standards and realise where we could be because that's where we want to be is where if Liverpool are coming to our place, we, we go in it with, with some sort of confidence of, of winning that match and sort of getting three points at home against a team that we want to be competing against regularly. Um, and I don't want to kind of, it's not small-minded, but almost like a a small club would and go, oh, we gave that a really good go against a really good team. Like, oh, well, a great point, a point earned. I want us to kind of, Hold ourselves a bit higher than that, and go. That's you know two points dropped rather than um, I, a point gain, all I, that sort of stuff. And I, I kind of get it that we've been terrible for a long time, and it was, was just I was nice. Say, to... I know what you're saying. I do think you've been a bit harsh. Like they, they are literally probably the best team in the world, other than City, maybe. Like they are unbelievable at the moment, and the way we shut them out completely nullified them. Yeah, but do you not have that sense of satisfaction? We're saying all these things about how we've completely done that and we've you know, brilliantly done this and all that sort of stuff. We still only drew with them. Like, we're talking about like it's not like that game against Real Madrid at Wembley where we did them three one or whatever. Like it's it's not built in a day though, is it? And it's it's stopping the rot at least. We, we seven successive losses to Liverpool before this game. Yeah, know? I know. It's it, I don't know. Well, I mean, no, I, I I get it. I like I I, I get I'm being. Perhaps it's good though. It's good. Maybe that's but that's sort of maybe what the players need. The players need that mentality, you know. And I imagine that is what Conte's saying to him. I'm not. I think he'll go. You know, great performance and all that sort of stuff. But I think he'll be telling them that they should have won that football game. And and, and if he isn't, then he should be. I know we've sort of always had the um, never doubt him. Never doubt him. He'll be back. He'll be back. I'm not going to lie, I'm for the first time actually starting to get the worry that Kane's maybe Torres himself, because... Well, his brother's Torres him. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know on that, but I mean, he's... Oh, some of those misses yesterday, mate, were pretty tragic. Yeah, it's one of them where it'll... I'm not quite there yet with him, and I think it'll come back. Especially like you see how he goes plays for England and stuff. Like it's it's a mentality thing with him. I think he's just he's just finding his way back at the club, and I think it, the summer really did rock him in a way that you know it probably should have done, and was largely by his own making. So 
the amount of sympathy you can have for that is 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 very little, but it is just an edge thing, and he's he slightly lost his edge at the minute. And now he scored two or three yesterday, he'd be flying, and on another day he would. But you know, the finish he, he did have was brilliant, and there are a couple of balls across to Son and 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 what have you that were you know flashes of how he used to play and things. So it'll come. I'm not I'm not I'm not entirely worried. It is the first time where for a protracted amount of time he has been below par but given that he's been oh you know our best player since he stepped into the first team properly all them years ago uh, he's probably been allowed one dodgy patch and you know if he don't come back he don't come back i'll be interested to know because i'm i'm not overly convinced that city won't have any interest at all in him still and i do wonder if they'll come back again with a sort of bid they made in the summer which is probably below the valuation that we felt he you know should have held this summer and whether or not the club might be more open to selling him now and Conte might be more open to selling him and we might put that money elsewhere well one of the one of the things that I don't want us to do under Conte if it is going to be a a short term thing is I obviously want to rehaul the squad as much as possible but I don't want to make any sweeping changes based on sort of his decisions on a whim if that makes sense like mm. I don't want him to go okay it's, we need to sell Kane and buy this striker and that striker, this midfielder for my system because if he's not going to be there forever then like I'd rather keep hold of him sort of a thing like I'm this is where the fan side of me kicks in and like I kind of I'd rather see Harry Kane finish his career at Tottenham and, and just be a one-club person and all that, well, as much as somebody who's been on loan as many times as he can be. But you know what I'm saying? Like mm. Him do that, sort of have that sort of a stint rather than um, going and playing against us and sort of tarnishing it a little bit. Like The legacy's been tarnished enough for me without going all the way there. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know if the summer soured you know, Kane's experience of trying to leave or, you know, giving him second thoughts about whether or not it's it's something he'd be able to cope with or, or deal with or whatever. Like, I have no idea, to be honest. It's one of those things where it, it sort of, you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. You don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what he's being told. Um, so, can only wait and see. But I'd, I'd rather he stayed just from a, a purely selfish point of view. Um Obviously, if this is something that continues for the rest of the season, then perhaps it is a, a worry, and perhaps the, the the club might have a second thought in the summer. But I can't imagine they'll be any more willing to sell to a, what should be a direct like, a rival at that point than they are now. It's funny, is it? Because it it has tarnished the legacy, if you like, what he's done. But I still, I don't, I don't completely. Sort of, the feelings of kind of bitterness from this summer have have cooled somewhat um and you still i don't know you still you can't forget everything he's done for us oh of course not he's he's only like a a good scoring streak away from that being entirely forgotten about to be honest until next summer and Um, i I, I couldn't help but love seeing him of all people score against liverpool because they that fan base they detest him more than the arsenal fan base does it's 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 bizarre the kind of the the worm they have for him they just they cannot they they can't get over it everything he does and that's that's why the the challenge yesterday him getting off a red card is so poetic as well it's of, of against liverpool of all teams 
Yeah, well, I think they've got that Salah Kane thing, haven't they? Where they've they've got their horse in the race and they want him to be the the big shining light and top scorer and all that sort of stuff, which is a bit childish. But I just are. think with them though, like you won, you did it, you beat us in the Champions League. For, like, it doesn't get better than that, lads. Like, why do you give so much of a fuck about what Tottenham do now? I I, I can't understand it. Like, you know. I just think it's because we don't bow down to them, you know. We we don't have the kind of they're our second team, our Liverpool, you know. We've probably got more affinity with Everton, who want to turn to fuck off, you know. It's I don't know. There's there's a very strange kind of when you're seeing a lot of the stuff come out the back of this now. The sort of the the same old chat. It gives you those flashbacks to what it was like, you know, a few years back when we were kind of more toe to toe with them. And just the kind of the... the yeah, I don't gymnastics. think they enjoyed that period. I don't think that helped. When we were paddling them every year and finishing above them and, and all that, I don't think they enjoyed that whatsoever because, you know, they, they probably are still a bigger club than us and, uh, you know, their history, you can't really... You can't question it and all that sort of stuff. So to to be seeing themselves get overtaken by us for that many number of years probably wasn't enjoyable. Um, because for for ages, all the way growing up, like they were just one of those clubs that whenever you saw them, like that that were team you're playing at weekend, even when they weren't the greatest team in the world, I never assumed we'd beat them or get out from game. They still managed to beat us all the time, and then that turned for a good number of years, where you know it started under Redknapp and then finished under Poch, but we we just would regularly turn them over, and it was it wasn't even a question. So, um. Yeah, that, that period probably didn't help. It's one of those little weird modern-day rivalries, I think, but it is what it is. It, it don't fuss me too much. Um, a lot of clubs have that towards us. It's something we've, we've talked it. about before. So is clubs fucking hate Tottenham. Well we, well, we had that thing of, because we played pretty football, because we were you know, an enjoyable side to watch a match a day in that, but did nothing in real terms. It was an it was a good team to just be okay about and not feel too strongly about when they played your team. But then when we started beating teams, when we started getting talked about as a big club, when we've built this new stadium and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's the old upstairs-downstairs thing when the when the you know working class starts becoming middle class and upper class, like people just kind of get a bit uncomfortable and want them to stay in their place and and don't want to share their toys and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, people the same way that we, you know we we clubs like West Ham and that we'll kind of look at them and go, oh, "Get back in your box," sort of a thing. Who do you think you are? Yeah, a lot of teams had that with us, and we've largely escaped that and and have you know grown above that to a point where they they can't think that way about us so we've become a legitimate rival from nowhere and they dislike that about us and they kind of I mean you have less sympathy for City because they've bought it but it's a similar I mean people still don't really take them seriously as a big club even though they do everything and I'll be honest in my heart of hearts I I still find it weird you know when City like win the title or something or when Chelsea win the title Honestly speaking, I still just see it as like, well, great, you know. I don't really see it as a as a proper achievement. Yeah, the last time I properly like felt a title win as kind of like, a, oh, that was annoying or whatever is when Liverpool won it. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, like when City win it, I kind of feel like, yeah, you, you should be doing that precisely. Um, and when Chelsea win Champions League and stuff, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense on paper. You've, you know, the lad you've just spent eighty million on or whatever scored goal in final. Like it, it, that's what should what should be happening. Um, but yeah, it's different in it. It's it's an odd thing. It's sort of it happens up and down the the football league, but it's a, it's a sign of how far we've come. Um, the fact that we're not just that. 
you know, a club that gets patted on the head and that nice try. You've you know you've had a good go. You've had you you've got your one good player who scores a few pretty goals or join Man United in the summer or whatever like. We've overcome that, and that's one of the the biggest achievements we've we've done in the modern era. And like we said, that it takes you so far, and we've got to build on that now and actually, you know, start putting some furniture in the house, as as a manager once said. Um, but it's it, you know the fact that we've built the house and got the stature and everything is 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 an achievement in itself. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's it's it is funny how quickly it it can flip, you know, because. You know, I, I was as we've spoken about it at length many times. I was all on board with Mourinho when he came in. To be honest, you know, all right, whatever. He had a yeah. questionable pass with Chelsea, and he started to. You could see the sort of cracks starting to form at United and stuff. Um, but I was still kind of thinking, like, you know, the squad we have here is still brilliant. Potch has kind of lost his effect purely because of just the emotional outpouring they've had over the past few years, and we've seen since. You know, there's been various kind of interviews from players you know Toby Alderweireld most recently kind of spoke about how broken they were after that Champions League final you know the emotion that went into that um, into the occasion into the run itself that Pochettino had powered them on with a true you know we joke about all his lemons and stuff but he is that guy that kind of believes in the whole manifest sort of destiny type thing and he he had pushed them on with this belief that no it's not that we can win this it's like we are going to win it we are going to win this final even when it was you know three nil down against Ajax we are gonna win we're gonna beat them and we're gonna lift the trophy and I think the manner in which it happened in that final I mean because it's all fresh still whenever we play Liverpool I can't help but think about it can't help but think that even when we have these kind of good games they still had that fucking last laugh and I'm never going to get over that final I don't really want to go into it again (laughs) again I'm never ever ever and I've just sort of I'm learning we always seem to revisit that trauma for some reason it's just impossible to escape mate it's impossible because yeah for as long as I live, I don't. I, do, I honestly don't think I'll ever see Tottenham in another Champions League final. If I do, no. Amazing, well, that, but... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For the same reason, that's kind of why I, I've not come to peace with it all because it still is an awful memory. Um, but I kind of, without thinking about the game in too much detail, I, I, 
I try and take the positive of, oh, I've actually seen my team in a Champions League final. I've seen them in a Champions League final for, what, 20 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. But I've seen them there. I've, I had the Ajax feeling, all that sort of stuff. I, you know, I went to Amsterdam with the missus the other week in an international break and got to go in the Ajax store and ask them if they could print more of 27 on the back of the shirt and have them look <laughs> at me funny and you know have that moment of glee and... Um, you know that they, they, they don't, you can't take that away from you ever, um, but it is it, it's always until we get over the the hump, as it were, um, if we ever do, um, then it, it's always gonna gonna wrangle you the same way those those seasons we could have won the league under Pochettino. Well, until we get that monkey off our shoulders and everything, but it's it's a funny one because, like you say, it's funny how how quickly it turns. Like if you take Chelsea as an example, under Lampard, there were there were no that he he was almost their Nuno in terms of they were probably doing par at best, if not you know a couple of strokes over. Whereas once they've actually got somebody half decent in who knows what they're doing a little bit more, look at what they've become, and we can very much do the same. If a few smart signings, getting a few lads off the books that probably don't belong there, don't you know, don't have the level that they either once did or are ever going to. Just being a bit more ruthless with it and and having a bit of a refresh to the squad because this is the point, like, I wanted to make when we were talking about earlier because you said, you know, I think right at the start, you said, oh, look at how many of these lads who we'd written off so many times previously are suddenly, you know, performing again. Like, there's a reason we've written so many of these lads off and we'll do it again. And there comes a point where we we can't just keep repeating the same cycle with the same footballers because at some point they're not going to have this upturning form the time another manager comes in. We just need to get rid of them. We need somebody who's going to be decent regardless of who's in charge or what time of the season we're in and everything. like. There's only so many chances you can give someone. And while it's good right now that people are performing, we can't just wait for that inevitable downturn in form once sort of normality ensues. We we kind of have to ensure that the level of the squad is such that we perform regardless. And that is that is a worry that with the ownership we have, with, with the mistakes we've seen us make previously, is that we put in a shift like this with the squad we do now and everyone kind of goes, oh, we, we don't need to do as much work to this team as we might have done previously it's like no this is the basement of what we should be achieving this isn't the ceiling this isn't the very best that Tottenham can be this is this is a lot par this is level best like let us at this point take that and go okay he's not quite up to scratch he can go you know, we can change some here, do something better at the back, similar to how we did with Alderweireld, with Vitongan and what have you. Like, but do it a couple of years earlier, like call time on someone. Eric Dyer now actually has some sort of transfer value, which he probably didn't do in the summer. And while he's been brilliant and while he's excellent under Mourinho for large spells, while he was good under Nuno right at the start, while he's been brilliant under Conte, he will at some point make mistakes and people go, oh, Eric Dyer's crap. Like... I would sell him now and buy buy a better centre back that is of the level of Romero, while we have the opportunity now, while we can. A bigger club would. The the type of players that you you take the gamble on being better are the ones who have only gone crap once or haven't hit their potential. Somebody like Sessignon who's come in and played brilliantly on the left hand wing. 
we've not seen him do that before. This might be his first opportunity to actually reach some kind of potential and his, be the footballer we thought he was going to be. Moment. Kind of, yeah. More victim Moses, to be quite frank. But I would rather go, all right, let's give him a bit more time and let's see what Conte can do with him. Similar way, Harry Winks, I thought, was excellent. And it's been a very long time since I thought that. I thought, oh, he's, he's had his time under Pochettino. He's he's going to go to a Crystal Palace or whatever once Gallagher goes or something and, and just fit in there and be a career player in the bottom to middle half of the Premier League um, and do that sort of a thing. But he, he put in a performance yesterday that was excellent and Conte quite rightly sung his praises. And again, we're at the point with that player now where he's... He, He's somebody where he can go, okay, let's see what he can do again. Like we don't have to give up on him at this stage. But there are players in there that you just kind of like, oh, we can do better than that. We can. This squad needs refreshing. We need new blood in there. Like, let's do something. Someone like Bergvine, like, who could be brilliant, might just not have the personality for it, might not have the edge for him. it. He's got all the tools, hasn't he? There's such a brilliant player in there, I yeah. think, Bergvine. And it's such a shame because I. I I agree with that entirely because he, he he should be he should be taking Lucas's place in the team. But Lucas is somebody that is completely the opposite. Not completely opposite. Lucas is still a technically decent player, um, but just his mentality is what drives him on. You know, and he I was being honest, being completely honest, from somebody who I not particularly a big fan of. I was pretty gutted to see him not starting yesterday. You know, I, yeah. I wanted his sort of hustle, his endeavour against a team like Liverpool. But again, he's a player who's what? He's brilliant for a stint of five games every season and then one every five after that. He's, as we've discussed previously, an excellent substitute for us to have and a brilliant yeah. squad option, but shouldn't be somebody that we're clamouring for to, to start matches like and that's the same across the, the squad. There's you know, Doherty, get rid of him. Like he, he's not gonna be brilliant. Davinson Sanchez, as I've said and, and feel partly vindicated for now is a brilliant defender in the right system under the right manager and, and is currently showing that. Uh, he's at the age where I would continue with him. Um, Emerson Royale, I'm not completely sort of well, having opinion of. I was going to ask of. you about him, because I'm, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'm kind of like... I mean, to me, he's, he's better than Dotti and he's better than Aurea. So that's... Uh, it's not hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's a, that's a start, right? Yes. But is he that good? Yeah, well, this is the thing. I think we've been slightly spoiled because we got prime Kyle Walker followed by prime Kieran Trippier. And they're, what, two of the the best right-backs in Europe at the point we had them. Um, and, you know, by all means, this lad isn't. But you, you kind of have to, again, take into account, he's still 22. He's not a, you know, he hasn't been doing this a long time. He wasn't expecting to be playing for us whatsoever. The only reason he's here is because... Barcelona in financial turmoil and we've kind of robbed him because they can't afford to essentially pay him or, or keep him there and they need some sort of cash flow being generated. There is potential there. He does some brilliant stuff. He, he He's a very rough diamond. He's somebody who, who, if Conte's got a version of Pochettino's fullback finishing school, then brilliant because he could be brilliant. He's got all of the the tools to be brilliant and a, a great modern wing-back, but we just haven't seen it yet. But it, it doesn't happen overnight, so he's somebody that we can you know, take some time on. Joe Rodon, the championship defender probably, top-level championship defender, if not a, a, 
lower end Premier League one. He can probably go, to be honest. Get rid. I can't um, stand him. I, I, I don't. I, as I've said on it before. I don't. I don't get that. I don't get what people are clamouring for with him because I don't. I don't. He's just it. an old school centre half, and people enjoy that. Like he'll let anything. He'll put his body on line, and there's something to be said for that. Like there was one of our favourite players of all time at Spurs. I think I'm probably fair in saying is Michael Dawson. Yeah, oh yeah. By rights, his skill set wasn't top end Premier League. Like he was very old school in what he did, but he was brilliant in what in that. So and you know he had, to, the, he had Ledley again. I was literally about to yeah. say that he, he had the great fortune of playing next to Ledley King. But you know it is what it is. Literally, uh, you know, some of the best defenders of all time. Just gonna say yeah, that. there was the Premier League put out a graphic the other day, and this always um, pisses me off. But it's it's one of those things that I think is just a Spurs fun thing, a Spurs fun thing of a particular age, maybe. But the, the greatest the Premier League defenders of all time it had like Van Dijk and Vidic and Terry and all these people. I had like six, seven people on it or whatever. Ladley wasn't on there. And I was just nah. like, oh, come on, lads, like, well, you, you, come on. Just give your head a shake. Anyway, it's a conversation for another day. Uh, Lacelso probably just get rid of him. Like oh, he get, appears, get rid, get rid. It appears Why to be it? made of twigs. Like the one time he did play for a consistent amount of time and was fit, like he was decent. So um, I, I know I, it sounds gammon, but I'm a bit argy, so I can say this right. But to me, he just strikes me as somebody that is doing what Gareth Bale was doing last year in terms of using the club to keep fit for international duty. But Gareth Bale can kind of get away with that, number one, because he's a fucking club legend. He's a fucking legend of football in general. And he's in his 30s. Like, he's coming towards the end of his career. I get it. Like, he's not going to get him any more opportunities. The Celso, just using as a as a fucking gym. Get to fuck, mate. Like... Do you know what I mean? I, it, I've, never, I've never really seen him kind of give anything that much. For time. I, I think when he first came in, he started to look promising. He went on a few runs. Since that point, he's just, to me, he's looked completely checked out every time he's played for the squad. I've never, he, he hides. I always see him hiding games. And when he does actually play, I just, just get rid, get, get him gone. I can't. No way back for him with me. <laughs> he's just one of those players that if he if he's going to play for Tottenham, he needs to be at his best, and he he hasn't been consistently for a, a, a number of reasons. And he has some resale value. He's somebody that we can chuck in a deal to Italy or Spain, and they'll want to take a gamble on him, and we can reuse that money into somebody who's actually going to be a use right this very second. I also just um, don't the emotive stuff aside. I don't really see where he fits now at Tottenham. That's yeah. the thing. The, the way Conte's playing, I don't. Yeah, I just don't think there's a space for him anymore. Yeah, I imagine it'd be like maybe off the right or something. Sort of how Delhi played yesterday, but again, you you don't know. Delhi's a funny one for me. Like, I, I, I my opinion changed over the week. He was he was largely excellent again yesterday, and, yeah, and should have apart from that goal, he should have scored. And you know, he shows flashes of it, but I don't know if. He works him personally, hard, mate. He works. Yeah, hard. he does. He, he doesn't he give does. him a moment to breathe either. Like he was. He does. He's, he's a was... completely different player now to the one he was younger. And maybe we need to kind of let the younger version of Delhi go and kind of try and think forward into the player he could be rather than the one he was because he's not in his early twenties anymore. He's not like an unknown quantity. He's going to be twenty six next year. Like. He's getting to the point now where he needs to be the midfielder he's going to be. 
Um, and I've no idea what that that is because um, at the minute he's playing like box to box and doing bits and parts of everything, and he's kind of he needs to find a speciality and stick with it. Um, and he needs a manager that's going to do that with him. It's funny because I think it's something we've both spoken about um, on like WhatsApp and stuff, and it's it's something I've sort of spoken about with a few Spurs fans that Delhi is one of those players that, although kind of whatever the general kind of chat and everything will write a player like Delhi off. Delhi is sort of that player that you can see just making that move to a Bayern, a PSG, uh, maybe even somebody like City or Liverpool thinking, oh, go on then, let's, let's have a punt on Delhi Alley, as they did with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, for example. You know, that kind of like, yeah. that transfer that suddenly happens that everyone's like, oh, right, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense, really, because he is still a brilliant footballer. And then they go on to show that they're a, they're a good player. I mean, that that to me is kind of, I feel that is... Because I don't know if you've seen the past few days, he has been linked with Bayern Munich. Apparently, they are showing some interest in him. And that okay. that doesn't surprise me, you know? No. But also, the, the other thing that I could see us doing, and, and is a route that I wouldn't be against, is doing the old Jesse Lingard to West Ham type of a thing and, and chucking him to a Newcastle for six months or what have you. Villa. And, yeah, somewhere like that where he's going to be a focal point, where he's going to get a consistent amount of games and get his belief back and his swagger back. Maybe cut his hair because I'm not the hugest fan of what he's got going on at the minute. Um, and just sort of get some of that feeling back in himself. And, and if he had that, then then we've got something to work with. You can see he's still got the, the natural ability and the, you know, the work rate there that he, he probably didn't have when he was younger. Um so he's one that I'm I'm not entirely willing to give up on yet, but again, can see why the club would be considering it. Tangy, like largely excellent again yesterday, but now we're on like what the fourth manager he's had at Spurs or something like that, and for some reason, every single one of them when they first come in just don't fancy him, and he he must we've said it before, but he must come in the category of excellent footballer, shit professional, yeah. and. You, we can't get away with shit professionals. He's not Ronaldinho, so we can't get away with him. You know, not pulling his socks if, if up you every now and then. Back somebody to not get to that level, but be like sort of similar to that though. It is him. Like he's so yeah. fucking talented, and it is because I agree with you entirely. It's I'm so torn on him constantly. Um, There's just, nobody else in our team that could have played the pass yesterday that that put Harry came through. No, probably not. No, I'm good with that. Right. It's just. It, it, uh, He's dripping in talent and he just can't be arsed on occasion or just doesn't have the mentality sometimes to, to use it to the full potential, which is really annoying in a in a very Tom Huddleston-esque way. That I think he just... Conte said at first it's about him. He sort of refuses to accept instruction or something, isn't it? And I guess you can probably see that for a player that is this kind of maverick footballer yeah. that is all about flair, is all about doing things and, you know... Without- being mean as well, like it might not be accepting instruction, but just understanding it. Like there's some footballers who are good footballers, but aren't the greatest minds and aren't the sharpest tacks. Like if you remember, David Bentley had all the talent in the oh, world, no, but take me back there. <laughs> Juan de Ramos, when he came in, what did David Bentley say when he retired? Like oh, I really disliked it because he trapped out to get me to trap back and do all this stuff and I just wanted to go out and play football and it's like mate we've paid what <laughs> 30 million or whatever it was for you Sounds like ridiculous wasn't it at the time just kind of you know do what the manager says you're more than just like pinging a free kick in the odd set piece and like doing what you want like that's not where you're at at the minute you're not at Blackburn anymore like 
when when you've got like you know one of your record signings giving interviews at the time being like i don't really like being a footballer i wish i was a rock star you're like yeah oh, it's man. a bit it's a bit hard work this football stuff when the manager actually wants you to do more stuff than just having a crack from 40 yards when you fancy like yeah that sort of a thing and i don't i don't imagine tangy's a million miles away from that um Ben Davies, I think, is this is where Ben Davies belongs. Mate, I on think the this lesson. is your this is your ultimate retribution. You were saying this from back in the day when I was like, get that fucking Welsh cunt out of our club. <laughs> you were like, mate, if he played centre of a pack three, like yeah, on the left side of the back yeah, three, yeah, he'd shine. And you've 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 honestly said that for about probably fucking ten years. The whole time we've been recording this, near enough. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, he seems to have finally found his niche. Like, he's brilliant and he's, he's excellent there. Unbelievable. Because he has it in his back pocket where if he just needs to carry the ball forward and, and become a bit of a left back, he can. But he's got the defensive awareness and sort of lack of pace to play the centre back part of it really well. Like, niche in there. I, I love that moment. Did you remember on the Amazon thing when there was that moment when I can't remember who it was, but. I think of, it was him, Ericsson and Kane around the table. Yeah, and one of them was saying like, you know, there's this there's this attitude in football now that, you know, if you want to succeed, you've got to spend loads and loads of money on new players, new players. But sometimes, you know, it, it can just sort of come from within. And Ben Davis was one of the main ones being like, yeah, yeah. You know, you could see he really yeah. felt that. And it's just, it, it is nice because he... He's always, to be fair, like, you know, like I was saying, you know, I was one of those saying, get him out. That was a long time ago. I have since actually warm to Ben Davis a lot in the sort of past few years when people have been saying like get him out of the club I'm always like no like he's a solid even if he's playing backup he's a solid option he's always going to give you a 6 out of 10 Ben Davis always I can't really recall many in his entire Tottenham career glaring errors from Ben Davies what you highlight are kind of are his lack of thrust going forwards or something like yeah. that what he doesn't give the team yeah, and I get that. Yeah. I, I totally get that. There's been a couple of times where a, a very good winger has absolutely yeah. taken piss out of him, but, but that's that's it. You can't do all about that. You know, yeah. I mean. But other than that, he's always been a hard worker. You can tell he's one of the popular members of the team, and yeah. it is it's it's very whole. It's wholesome content seeing mm-hmm. Ben Davies now thriving, thriving under Antonio Conte. Like, yeah, you know, it, it, he's been brilliant. He's been one of the best players since Conte's come in by. A considerable distance, I'd say. Yeah, massively so. Um, Skip, I think, brilliant. Um, long term, long term centre centre midfield option for us. Um, I think he's he's brilliant. We need to just kind of make sure we don't overplay him. Make sure we don't run him into the ground like we maybe did with Harry Winks a little bit and give him too much too soon. Let's let's temper his expectations and perhaps manage his career a little bit better than we have done previously with with some younger players because we, we've seen this high upside immediately and then them tail off and we've done it with Mason, Bentaleb, you know, Townsend, all that sort of stuff. Like We need to just be aware of how young these kids are as well at some point and that they haven't done this previously. Even though he had like a, a brilliant campaign in, in the championship with Norwich and everything previously, it's that's not the same as being somebody that Tottenham Hotspur count on in the Premier League and hopefully in you know top end European competition. That's you know a completely different beast. And again, he's going to have to get his head around Jack Clark. I forget exists. Like just mm-hmm. sell him because he, you know he, that seems to be Bielsa just having a laugh with Pochettino, going, "Oh, he's really good. This kid, you should take him for ten million. Um, I it's can't. A, it's a very weird one, isn't it? Leeds fans to this day can't believe they got 10 million for him. They, they're absolutely 
think they've pulled us pants down and they're probably right on that. And that's it, a... it, I think the, the main thing we sort of raise at the time is it, he's a player that's not even played through any of the levels of the England team, you know, no. at kind of youth levels. So that He had of... like a good weird, like, he's almost like their Dean Marnie. He had like a good 10-game run where he was okay under Bielsa, scored a few goals, had a few eye-catching moments, and then Tottenham just went, oh, let's quickly nab him before anyone else does. And he weren't alt, he's not alt special, like... He went back on loan to Leeds and didn't do it again. Like by that point, we should have known we bought a dud. And it happens every now and then. We we took a ten million pound gamble, and we're never going to see that money again. No, I mean just it's release him, isn't it? Probably. (laughs) But the rest of the squad is largely okay. There's just like like we say, there's probably four or five ins and outs to do. Before we can actually, we, we I tell you one thing we need, mate, is another. Well, first of all, Hugo, sign, sign it, please. Yeah, yeah, sign it. We need to give give the man whatever he wants because again, since his fucking arm bent in half against Brighton, he's been a man reborn as well. Like, yeah, he looks every bit the kind of Hugo the Reese we first got. Um, and it, yeah, he's out of contract in summer. Um, yeah, the sounds like we we try to sign him up, and it would be good to have him. Signed up for a good amount of time, and I'd love to see him retire at the club or something yeah, like that. I, I, I know he'll still like. Win he's one of them with us, you know. Yeah, he'll go to Nice or something. I think at some point. I think um, that is his intention, isn't it, to retire at his boyhood yeah. club, isn't it? But what we need though is backup to him because Galini ain't it, mate. Not at all. I, I mean, he to me is Joe Hart level farcical. <laughs> Pretty much letting in any shot that seems to be had at him. Ah, uh, nah, just. I'm thank, thankful we've only got him th- on We've line. been really spoiled. I think we need to, at some point when, when we have time, we need to just speak about Hugo for an hour and give him his flowers because I think he's been hugely disrespected at, at times at, at his time at this club. And we've been spoiled to have him there. It's been an absolute privilege because we say this about about like Galini and what have you, but I imagine he'd walk into the majority of Premier League teams no, he's probably a, a goalkeeper of a level who is higher than than most starting keepers in the Premier League. Uh, if you look at what they want from modern day keepers, with what he does with his feet and all that sort of a stuff, his athleticism and everything, his age and all that sort of shit, he probably does. But the reason we don't rate him is because we've spent ten years watching Hugo Lloris, who is by rights world class and up there with the greatest keepers in the world at present he is in the same echelon as Neuer as Allison, as Edison and all of them they might be a newer generation the generation below him but he is of that level and people just don't seem to to do that like give him that credit enough like if you ever speak to anyone who has anything to do with goalkeeping and like knows that position knows what goes into doing that he's like one that they always point to he's one of the standard bearers even more so than a or what have you because he, he you know he, he's a physical freak and plays a position so sort of uniquely somebody like Hugo somebody that that people fall over themselves talking about and, and enjoying watching and I just don't think enough Tottenham fans have, have enjoyed that or made the most of it or kind of pinched themselves enough about that because it's He's, he's he's fucking amazing and has been and, and continues to be. Like we we're so lucky to have him and I'd happily give him another three years and just let him let him dwindle now. We we definitely need a better backup and a contingency plan at this point. But there is nobody 
other than if we were to spend like 50 odd million on a keeper nobody out there that we're going to immediately go and get that is going to usurp him in the same way that he did when he first came into the club it's just it would just have to be some random german i've not heard of do you know what i mean or something like that that you... yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it would we'd have to go and we'd do what we have to do with him where it's just somebody who'd having a good career is of sort of mid 20s age where he can give us another you know 6 to 10 years and as yet we failed to do that Think about it, like um, Dean Henderson, he, he wants away at the moment. He cost us 40, 50 mil minimum. Yep. He's not as good as Hugo Lloris. Exactly. He's not going to be as good as him. And he, he you know, so it, it's tough. It is tough to bring in another keeper. And that is a, it's a worry for another day. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we do manage to convince him to, to stay on this summer because it's, you know, like you say, he's just, because he's become part of the furniture, it's he's so easy to take for granted. Yep, massively so, and I don't think we should in in by any stretch of the imagination. But the the wider point being is that this squad is isn't perfect and needs some work. Um, but it's not it's not twenty transfers away from being competitive. It's probably five or six, but it's five or six that need to be done, and it's five or six that can't be papered over by two or three. It's a minimum of four or five big deals that need to be done where people need to be shifted on and a, a player that's not of the same level but a player that is looking to go straight into the first team should be brought in where there is some competitiveness, where there is a bit of... It, the players that are in and around there might give them a bit of a rocket. Like I'm looking forward to seeing what Saar does when he comes in next year because he'll give a few of their midfielders a bit of competition. And... I'll tell you what, mate. Like You've been seeing a few of these sort of scout-type Twitter accounts banging on about him this year, just basically saying like Tottenham Hotspur have done some genius business here. They've they've literally signed the player of a generation in this Saar lad. It's, well, we, we've, it's, very it's been a while since we've done a deal that like actually Modric, sounds quite clever. Yeah, like a Modric or a Berbatov where we've just pulled somebody out and gone, all right, we'll, we'll pay money for him now before anyone else is willing to and we'll secure that deal. Like, it, happy days. Like, it's... That's what this club should be doing. That's our, our ideal transfer policy and strategy. Um... It's not easy to do because everyone's got eyes everywhere and you know, money to burn in this day and age. And but it's you know it's, it's what we should be doing. So it, that's promising. And it, maybe when he comes in, maybe that's when we can go. Okay, Tangy, you've you know you're, you're still three stone over where you should be, and you still can't play ninety minutes. Like let's take fifty million for you now from Barcelona, who have suddenly found money down back at Sofa or whatever. Like maybe at that point, that's where we do that and give up on that but for now it, there's more pressing matters so we, we just see where we're at to be honest we need to do a couple in January just to to see this season through and give Conte a reason to stay in a, and a reason to be re-enthused and re-engaged but Fr- Frank Kessie's an exciting link to me like just basically an upgrade on Hoybier yeah yeah I mean Hoybier again is somebody I, I like to have in the squad I don't dislike him in the way many do like he's you need a few steady eddies you need a few just sort of people with the right mentality and the right way of going about it I think he's probably one of them who's first at training ground keeps the levels up in training wants to do the right thing like you kind of forget with football the amount of time these lads spend together when it isn't a match yeah there are 
uh, standards and levels to be upheld and kept behind closed doors and away from our eyes as fans that we just don't see. And it's probably the reason why Eric Dyer plays as much as he does. Because I imagine he is the same intensity and competitiveness in, in every day of training, in every gym session, in every recovery group, in every meeting. I imagine he has a voice, he's not hiding, he's he's a, a willing and, and sort of enthusiastic member of the squad that clearly sticks out, whereas some might sort of shrink away a little bit. Um, and I imagine Hoybier is the same. I imagine he's one that, you know, when they're doing the runs, when they're doing the stretches, he's doing it to the fullest of his ability and he's, you know, enthused and engaged always as, you know, picking up the drills faster than anyone, playing at match pace, not taking it easy. You know, he's in early for his breakfast, knows everybody's name around the training ground, he's asking after everyone's wife and kids and that. <coughs> Sorry. And that can go a long way. And you you need some people around that because squads need a level of harmony and engagement that allows them to actually want to play for each other and play together as a unit. And he might just be one of them glue guys where if, if he's playing, you know, off the bench or he's just in the squad or in and around the place, that's worth paying him for. Because if you lose that and and suddenly you don't have somebody who's who just pushing for that extra five ten percent to to do those sort of things, then then you do lose something, and that would be my my assumption with him and my argument for for why he's of value is because I think he's a I think he's probably just a very good person to have in in and around the place and in and around the lads. Won't hear it, mate. Get him, get him gone. <laughs> no, I know what you say. I do know what you say. And my main point with Hoybier has always been that I don't, I don't dislike him. I just don't particularly like him. You know, I don't think he's yeah good enough. I think he occupies too important a position for a top level team, and he isn't of the quality that he he wouldn't be anywhere near any of the teams above us in the table, for example. Like anywhere near their teams, nowhere near him. Um, and if we want to get bad, then. We need to well, improve. But what, everything you're saying is very true. I do, I do definitely buy that. He's a great squad player to have about. Well, you just you just know the, the, like, the guy in the office who will go, oh, does anybody want a coffee? Or I'm just nipping to Starbucks. Does anybody want all? Or, you know, remembers it's your partner's birthday. Remember, texts you on a day off about something. It's just a good guy around the office who'll bring a cake in on his birthday, suggest pints on a Friday or something. Just... A good guy who keeps the atmosphere and the culture up inside an office or something like that. I imagine he's like a footballing equivalent he, of that. He definitely organises the office five aside. 100%, yes, he's that, he's that 100%. guy, yeah. Like, nobody else and, can be and asked. It, and but... isn't a twat about it either? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, not, he, he's keen, but not too keen. Yeah. What, like, he's not like, turning like, up in his... Like Roy. Yeah, 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 he's not turning up in his full kit and stuff. So, um, yeah. But actually, interestingly, Jack, as we speak, um, we've been kicked out of Europe. Oh, has it, has it just happened now? Yeah, we've uh, we had to forfeit our game against Rennes, so we're yeah. uh, we're out of Europe. Uh, I'm not as I'm going to be honest. Like, and I know we've both had this kind of discussion before. At Tottenham Hotspur aren't above any competition. I still believe. I've seen a lot of people being like, "Good, I, I want us to be out of this." I, I don't. I want to. I, I want uh, to yeah, win I wanted it. to win that to win Conference it. League thing. Like that would have been nice. But now that we're at, the. The fact that we're out of it on a technicality during a pandemic rather than having lost in shame as we would have done yep. at some point down the line, I'll take that. 
Better than losing to Leicester in a quarter-final as well or something. Yeah, well. some shit like that. Yeah, but yeah. When when it comes to it and the final is like two teams that we are clearly better than, then I'll be annoyed that we haven't stayed in it and given it a proper go. But right at this moment in time when we've already got several Premier League games to catch up on and everything, it's not the greatest thing. It's not like the, the hugest um, no. disappointment. And especially now top four is a solid reality again. Yeah, you know, getting yeah, yeah, back yeah. into the Champions League is is. <laughs> I know it was popularized by the uh, by that by that song a few years back, but uh, top four is our everything, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yes, yeah, so of course I do, Jackie. You were a star of it. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I wasn't a star. Don't let's let's not revise this. It was your idea. It was your <laughs> video. I don't know. <laughs> one of those old one of those old Tetrunk ones that I've yes. taken down now. You know. Yeah. Oh dear, oh dear, mate. Well, that has been a, a, a welcome, a welcome blast from the past, mate. I, mean, I say the past; it's only been a couple of months since we've recorded the podcast, <laughs> but still feels longer. I it's thought you were on about the uh, the the video rather than the podcast, but yeah, oh, a bit of that as well. You know, come on, yeah. it's, it's it's part of our part of our history. You know, lineage. Yeah. Bill Nick, you got Bill Nick there, and then on the other side, you got the one club video. You know, <laughs> <laughs> up alongside. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, let, I'll, all right. Here we go. Let's let's ask for your half season predictions, mate. Where are Tottenham going to finish in the table? Fourth. We're going to do it. Yeah, I'd agree. I think we're going to do it as well. Um, is Harry Kane going to score more than ten Premier League goals? Yes. Are we going to sign anyone in January? I haven't really thought through this half season prediction shit to be honest. Yeah, so I think of, we will. Yeah. Yeah, you think we're going to sign somebody? And are we going to be in a title race next season? Uh, no. Ooh. Ooh. I, was, I was hoping for a bit more optimism there. No, I, I think we'll <clears throat> we'll be around like third, fourth again. But I still think like City and Liverpool are just probably a bit too bit too ahead. It depends. It depends what we do in summer and everything. At this stage, in the uh, at this stage, I can't see us bridging that gap as quickly as we got we, Romero. We've got Romero to come back. We got Saar coming in. We're going to sign whoever, Flyovich or whatever. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're going to fuck mm. up, mate. We're going to do it. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win the league. I'd love to. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to turn my nose up at it if we do. But like, <laughs> yeah, I don't not. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like. At this moment in time, I've seen Tottenham long enough that <laughs> it's not something I expect. This is or... true. It's more how can we fuck this up as opposed to what can we win. That was my initial reaction when we signed Conte. Is I'm genuinely intrigued as to how we managed to fuck this up. And on that note, mate, let's. Uh, Merry Christmas, Jack. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and yours and everybody listening. Likewise, mate. Exactly. It'll be yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope for a good one. This year because it's uh yeah I don't know it's a weird weird time still a weird time I'm off for my booster today actually me um, too yeah there you go um I <laughs> I have I, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be honest I have been a little bit more hesitant about the booster probably more in a tantrumy way just in like I've had the vaccine why do I need to have another like fucking hell I don't want to have to have one every single year I think we've just got and it's just, uh, been like just general fatigue with this entire fucking thing now it doesn't help when the 
Tory bastards are all having the cheese and wine nights and telling us to do all this oh, shit and going to lock us down again <laughs> and all this bollocks and fucking... This is the point where, like, we've just had... We've just probably put in, like, an hour of a podcast there that's probably of a higher quality than anything that's been put out about... I don't listen to anything else, so I'm not entirely sure, but probably better than anything anybody else has said for the entire season on Spurs. <laughs> not that I'm, a, you know, blowing smoke up her own ass or anything. We'll hear more about this 30-minute... Seg- this 30-second segment here where we've said we're getting a jab and dislike the Tories and this small pandemic chat than anything else in the rest of the, the show. Why is Jack Vaccine hesitant? Is he an anti-vaxxer? No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just it's, having a bit of a tantrum about it. It's not just that. It'll just queue up. <laughs> in like six months, one of us will like remember that we're on Apple podcast or something and check and there'll be like some gammon that's gone on and gone. I've, it was an all right podcast until they started talking about politics and, and, and jebs at the end. Uh, Viva Piers Corbyn. It'll be my uh, my dad's current review, then, won't it? <laughs> yeah, fuck knows, man. It's just yeah, but yeah, I'll, I'm getting jabbed because it's a sensible thing to do. And what's the alternative? Like holding out. Like if it's gonna apparently do better, then who am I to argue with it? Like, it's just but yeah, I get it. I get the frustration with it. It just we seem to have done everything possible for what best part of two years now to yeah um, to get out of this, and the people who should be doing more aren't, and and that's annoying and. I can't see how you disagree with that. Like, just it's, for as long as we have to wear your fucking mask and get your jabs and all that sort of shit, and hopefully the, the, we're the mask is the biggest one. I just, just fucking put it. On. Yeah, it's an inconvenience. It's horrible. Oh, I, I, wore I it properly on a plane for fucking eleven hours the other day, and it's fucking. Horrible, I properly but, hate them. Like, it yeah, really irritates the shit out of me. Like, it's it actually like it's starting to affect my skin. Like, I'm getting like really? almost like a teenager. I'm getting like little spots and stuff just because like, you're breathing on yourself, yeah, and I've yeah. got like, I'm getting no like air out and it's all sort of foisting over myself and it, it's fucking my face up but also um, like you say just get do you know i've seen i don't know if you've seen this i think it's called like the white rose project or some shit these kind of truthers that put these oh jack this is proper roller roost this is what i'm coming yeah, back for come these, on these stickers that they put up in towns and stuff like that and one of them was um one of them was it's not uh i can't remember what it was it was like it's not um it's about the masks and it's it, i can't remember what the exact term they said is though like it's not a safety aid it's a tool of compliance and i was just like fucking lads like just it ain't that deep you walk around the shop put a mask on so you don't kill a granny that's basically it you know what i mean like it's not just yeah they're annoying everyone hates them they're shit and nobody enjoys doing them tests where you fucking deep throat in a cotton bud but just fucking crack on to make sure you're all right have you had somebody else do it yes i did several times in barbados it was disgraceful (laughs) somebody tickled my brain yeah it's so invasive isn't it it's horrible it's horrible and i kind of the reaction to it is i I don't know if i'm retching or if i'm gonna sneeze or something so you sort of sat there going up yeah which you buy me dinner first before you penetrate (laughs) me in that way Oh dear, oh dear, mate. Have you watched what that? a weird couple of years this has been, isn't it? Just should we? I'll tell you what, to end it on a proper order. Have you watched any good telly? Any good telly lately? Um, no, I, I don't have the time to watch anything anymore. I think the, the oh, last thing him. I'm he's all adult and grown up, yeah, mate. Yeah. I hate it so much. Like, do you remember when we used to just watch anything that had come on? Like, yeah. I don't even watch like Succession or all that. I don't, I genuinely do not know where people find the time in the day anymore. Like, it is brilliant. Succession is brilliant. I, I really want to watch it because I know I'll absolutely love it. Do, do, I'll tell you do, what, I've watched know, Jack. Do you want to know my edge you take quickly on Succession? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Right, my, my edge take is like. Brilliant. 
dialogue fantastic everything like that but 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 all this kind of like it's so unique it's the best thing that's ever it's so it's this it's that like just chill chill a little like chill a little it's more the reaction to it the kind of like i am so smart because i've watched succession the most <laughs> popular thing that every single person is watching on tv projection yeah. shit that is more like you know the thick of it did this type of thing ages ago veep have done this sort of shit for for years and years yeah, like yeah. it's 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 not that unique but 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 it's still brilliant it is brilliant and the dialogue is some of the best i've probably ever seen in television I'll put, put it that way. Like the, okay. the conversations, the natural, the jokes, the way the humor is kind of laced in is great. It is great. But, you know, it is kind of also one of those things of like, you know, I think that, I think there's a level of familiarity with it because it's a, it's a yeah. toxic family dynamic and everybody can draw bits out. Oh, that's like cousin dickhead. And that's like my <laughs> brother, or that's like my sister sometimes like that. I get it. You know, and I think that, that draws a great, a kind of yeah. reverence. I think when people can see themselves reflected in stuff, but mm. also at the same time, it's like, it is just about like a load of rich white cunts shitting on the world. Like, <laughs> shitting on everything like it's not where have we seen that before exactly it's not that kind of yeah uh, you know it doesn't just hold this like i don't know this is kind of in the cultural pantheon it's like i get what you're saying it's it's not head and shoulders it's a very funny witty family drama with Mm -hmm. kind of an undertone of bigger societal stuff in there obviously because it's Mm -hmm. about it's basically about the murdoch family but yeah i've read that before it's brilliant. It is brilliant, and you you would very much enjoy it. And it makes it sound like I don't like it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's the best thing on television at the moment. It, it is, but you know, just just calm, calm it down a bit. It's what what happens when thick people watch smart things? Is is right? You know what I'm saying though. Like when it happens sometimes with like books and stuff, where like stuff will have been happening for a long time, and it'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like we're aware of this. We've been like culturally like engaged with this sort of content for a long time but when that one thing breaks through and everyone's like oh my god this is the greatest thing ever it's like hang on a minute like hold your horses just because or when you see people like poorly appropriating george orwell quotes to make a point about whatever governments or things that sort of a thing yeah but um to close there's there's two things i've watched recently that um i enjoy as i've been thinking about it the new season of Curb, which I make time for, oh, just I because it's, yet. I haven't yet. It's brilliant. It's it's getting back to its very best. I'm I'm probably two or three episodes behind at this point, but the ones I have seen, I think I've seen four or five, have been excellent. They've they've genuinely been like some all timers in there, which is great to see because the last the last season or two since they came back after a bit of a break haven't been as good, but this one is is excellent. And uh, the other thing I watched is, uh, or I'm watching is, uh, Big Mouth on Netflix. The uh, Nick Crow cartoon. Uh, that's very good. I can't. Do you know, do you know, the thing about Big Mouth is, <coughs> I, I know it sounds ridiculous. It sounds the animation looks shit. I can't. I, but the look of them, I I, it looks, it repulses me. As a as an animator, you, it's just not to the level you need it to be. No, not for not for my flappy heads. All <laughs> 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 oh, that shite. Um, I tell you what, though, if if Netflix was a thing back in the day, 100% they would have given you like a series to do your uh, animations on. Oh, don't. Don't do that to me. I'm I'm just, I know it's probably a shit thing to say to you, mate, but just to make you feel old, 
if if you you were you were before your time, like they would have a hundred percent given you like eight episodes and a few hundred grand, and just gone. Oh yeah, you make this series for us. It's like I saw once. I, I can't remember what it was. It was basically like a documentary about esports people and gamers and all this sort of thing. And it, <laughs> they were, it was basically a guy who was like the world Pac-Man champion back in the day. Who just used to play on a fucking arcade machine. Who was absolutely elite at it and won some competition and shit. Basically, just being like, I was just fucking born in the wrong time. Like these kids are like millionaires now, and he's like some insurance clerk or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But mm. he's, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. You see it with old footballers as well, like, like lads who played in the very start of the Premier League and stuff. Like one of my friends that I went to college with, her dad played for West Ham at Premier League and what have you. And really? he he teaches people to drive now. Like it, they just the the money's completely different, and yeah, it's a completely different world. Like between what it was then and what it is now. Speaking about, um, just sort of, just give a plug to, um, Netflix animations. My my brother-in-law, he's, his, his new show is just on Netflix, actually, Dogs in Space. Um, it's kind of, it's it's a bit sort of like Rick and Morty-ish, bit Futurama-ish. So if you're sort of, not you or anybody listening, if you're sort of into that kind of thing, give it a go. It's, it's, it is good. It's very, it's very like heartwarming and funny and, it's good. He's worked hard to get there, and it's 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 very good to see him living his best life now in LA. The bastard. Um, Don't sound too shabby. That no, that's no, a, no. a nice point to end it on. That a it's, nice oh, familial plug. One one quick one as well, mate. Plug for you. You've just written something, right, for a new fanzine. Oh yeah, shit. Sorry. Yeah, I have. Yeah, uh, 1882 fanzine. I wrote about uh, Dimitar Berbatov. Uh, you can find it on Twitter, but it's very good. There's very good people in there, right? I think the thematically, it's all about cult heroes at Spurs. So it's sort of um, evergreen content and what have you. Um, so it's not it's not like your typical fanzine that's like articles of the day and all that sort of stuff. It's it's stuff that's a bit more um, long lasting. So it's a a nice little stocking filler and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, get on it. It's only a fiver, and you can't. As I tweeted, I think you can't go for a piss we out spending a fiver these days. So I did, at least I, have something to show. For I it. did like that dar tweet of yours. Yeah. These days, these days, if you pay less than a fiver for a piss, they'll lock you up and throw you in jail. Exactly, um, mate. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm on almost 30 next September. Uh, own a house. I'm married. Once the kids come, the Twitter bio's changing. I'm um, going to get a dog as well, so I can in- include that. Uh, Put I'm the not... England flag in there as well. Yeah, I am. The, no, the Union Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah proper. All that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm going to get the Sky Remote that's got a Union Jack on it and stuff. It's all. Uh... But no, uh, it is very good fanzine. Thank you for reminding me about it. Um, I've go got mine. It. I've ordered mine. So it's, oh. it's, on, it's on route. So, Excellent. Yeah, you should do the same. And obviously, you know, listen to the podcast subscribe leave us nice I genuinely videos. Jack when you mentioned I've done something then I was like oh, have I? what the fuck have I done <laughs> I, I genuinely have no idea what you're about to bring up that's it this, we'll save that one for another day but yeah thanks <laughs> for listening have a good Christmas good new year fuck off well if I can ask you first and foremost Harry Kane's yellow card for you was it should have been stronger it's a bit yes definitely I think okay. We can we can say we can give Robbo a red card. It's not the smartest challenge of his life. That's how it is. Um, but that's definitely a red card. 
no doubt about that. Now people will say, but his leg is in the air, but it's just pure coincidence. And Harry cannot judge that. And Robbo's leg is on the ground, then it's a broken leg, no doubt about that. So there are no two. And now it's a question. Why isn't, so we have an, we are sitting there, and he thinks, have a look again at the Robertson situation. Fine, that's what he's there for. But what did he do in, in that situation? And the penalty situation with Diogo Jota. Mr. Tierney told me he thinks Diogo stops uh, on purpose because he wants the foul. First and foremost, if you want to shoot, you have to stop because you cannot run and shoot in the same moment. It would have always be helpful if you would have played football yourself in the past. But when you see the situation back and again, the VR is there, where is, where is he stopping? It's just a two players <laughs> clean for six yard air, uh, area with, um, with a two, two challenges against one player and the player's down. And that's, I don't understand that. But in the end, it's fine. The draw is okay and all these kind of things. We are not that crazy that we think we cannot draw at Tottenham. That's, that's fine. Um, but these situations are crucial. Right? They, are, they, are, they are decisive situations. So come on, it's a super play. Super play. I think Nabi played a pass. Great vision. First touch, good. And then somebody finished the situation off in a not really football legal way. And, um, and the ref and the VR doesn't say a word. I have really no idea what, what his problem is with me. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 